Friday night. Another time with my intellectual family sitting here with me trying to shelter in place as the world seems to crumble around us in ignorance, stupidity, lack of knowledge, conspiracy theory, strife back and forth, intellectual disputes that are not intellectual, a bunch of nonsense. Us and them is what I led off with, Us and Them by Pink Floyd, because this whole world seems to be catered to and surrounded by this us versus them. Us versus them. It's all we see. Us, them, them, us. Everybody's a hypocrite. Everybody's full of it. It's all nonsense. My name is Larry K. Luciato, Larry Crane. You might know me as any one of those names. But tonight I'm your host. On this journey through intellectualism, anti-hypocritical discussion, objective thought, and good music, playlists are always available in the description of the podcast. The Logic and Larry Show is live on the air, and we are here to discuss what's going on out in the world. I am looking out over Newark and New York, as I always am, and it's gorgeous. In this kind of spring feeling, summer feeling air, we're out here and the spammers are attacking me. Now the show's getting so big I got spammers attacking me. What are you going to do? Everything I say on this podcast is strictly my personal opinion as a personal private citizen. I am not speaking to you in any way, shape, or form in an official capacity. I am not speaking to you officially whatsoever. Nothing I say reflects the views of any other entity or any other person. I am simply expressing my personal thoughts on the news, the world at hand, political issues. I'm not endorsing any political candidate. And I want you guys to understand that tonight I am all about unity. I live that way. I preach that. I sincerely am all about unity all about coming together and saying forget the us versus them forget the narratives that try to paint us into corners against one another i'm all about facts a case-by-case analysis of the stories of the day of the happenings in the world and i am all about circumventing this petty divide that we have So don't get it twisted when I get into my monologue tonight. Inflation is still through the roof. It's killing my wallet. I'm living check to check like so many of you out there and so many Americans because inflation is destroying us. Meanwhile, corporations are making record profits. So the rich and well-off continue to get away with whatever they want. And we sit here and struggle like lemmings. But what's new? Nothing new under the sun. I will touch on what I always touch on because I will not let it go. And by the way, speaking of inflation and corporations and politics, political action Sean Bracken's going to be on later tonight. And political action Sean Bracken is going to give us his final, final predictions for the outcome of the midterm election. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. In the Russia-Ukraine war, Russia has said that it may evacuate Kyrgyzstan. They're not sure if that's a ploy or if it's true. 
but Russia's attacking civilian infrastructure because they are getting more and more desperate. Ukraine continues to make advances into the territory. There is wide speculation that Russia may abandon some of the territories that it had taken. So while we are fighting over nonsense and talk and verbiage in the United States, Western civilization is waging war and doing quite well against Vladimir Putin on the Eastern Front. And I will keep saying Brittany Griner, bring her home. She was visited by State Department officials in Russia just over the last few days. She's in good spirits, but she faces a grim many years in Russian prison. They are still deciding and figuring out how they might be able to bring her home. And I will continue to say bring her home. She's an American Olympian with a gold medal. She deserves to come home. Donald J. Trump... Speaking of rich idiots, which is tonight's tonight's subject, tonight's topic is so much about the rich and the privileged and their nonsensical pursuits that cost all of us our sanity, serenity, and peace. Donald J. Trump, it's widely been speculated now, that Donald J. Trump may announce his candidacy. He may announce his candidacy for president in mid-November, following the midterms. And why is that significant? Well, that's significant because there is wide speculation out there that the DOJ may be close to an indictment of Trump for the improper hoarding and improper transport of classified documents. This isn't even the insurrection stuff. This is the document stuff. Donald Trump may be close to an indictment on that, let alone the indictment he may be facing in Georgia for tampering with the election and tampering with the Georgia election count. And it's widely been speculated that in Georgia and with the DOJ in D.C., they are avoiding announcing or hinting at an indictment prior to the midterm elections because they don't want to be seen as influencing the midterm elections. But it's speculated that Trump may announce his candidacy for president before there's an announcement about the indictment. So that if there is an announcement about an indictment subsequent to his candidacy, he can claim that it's politically motivated and that it's tainted and now the DOG is said to be mulling over appointing another special counsel just so as not to appear politically biased. And here we go again, fellow Americans, on a carousel of nonsense as a dumb celebrity named Donald Trump, who somehow stumbled his way into the presidency, who then almost undermined a free election, who committed several legal infractions, who is on the cusp of being indicted, is playing a game with all of you and has us held hostage by making an announcement. And here we are, at the mercy of rich people and celebrities and their nonsense because make no mistake make no mistake we allowed these celebrities to have such an influence over our life we've allowed these celebrities to have the impact and the power that they have and we continue to let them run our consciousness on the day to day it's a disgrace it's a disgrace really is. 
And speaking of Donald Trump and the war in Russia and the global fight, by the way, the Ukrainians have apparently shot down a bunch of missiles that were supplied by Iran. Just a reminder. Just a reminder that the world is consistently and constantly in conflict. That groups of people, ethnically, by country, by race, by religion, are constantly in conflict with one another. Everybody's been fighting everybody since the dawn of human civilization. That's a fact. And speaking of that, everybody's been fighting everybody since the dawn of civilization. And that's a fact. What is on the forefront of most the sports media's mind and many of the media's mind this week? And what is it that relates to so many of the things we discuss on the Logic and Larry podcast on a weekly or bi-weekly basis? There is this latest story out of the sports world about Kyrie Irving. Yes, Kyrie Irving, the Nets superstar. First of all, I'm not a Nets fan. They left New Jersey, went to Brooklyn because Brooklyn had to have something because Newark built the Prudential Center for the Devils and the Nets were playing there. So, of course, Brooklyn and New York had to build the Barclays Center and they had to steal our NBA team and put it over there. I'm not a big fan of the Nets, but regardless, Kyrie Irving, their star, who also played for the Celtics and a bunch of other teams, the infamous Flat Earther, the guy who believed in the Flat Earth Society, the man who wouldn't take a vaccine and missed a bunch of games because he wouldn't take the vaccine. Mr. Conspiracy Peddler himself, Kyrie Irving, has now tweeted out a movie about apparently the true origins of Hebrews, which claims that the original Hebrews were actually black and that the current Jewish population are frauds. Now, this is... When I saw Kyrie tweet this out and the whole Kyrie controversy, when I saw this pop up, I immediately recognized, and we talked about this last week, right? We talked about this last week. I immediately realized that Kanye and Kyrie had watched the same documentary. (laughs) That's all. Two dopey people watching a documentary and falling for it is what we see. But our our national dialogue, our tabloid media, is now obsessed with it because two dopey people watched a dopey documentary and came up with a silly idea that they had to share with the world. And so now we have this huge divide huge divide right the nba at first didn't do anything and remember last week i talked about organic cancellation versus non-organic cancellation regarding kanye west and you know i'm not a fan of cancel culture so some people say kyrie irving should be banned from the game forever should not be allowed to play i don't i don't believe that i don't believe he should be banned forever no i don't but he's getting in trouble now he's suspended for five games because he won't apologize And I don't know if anybody's seen the exchanges between the reporters and Kyrie Irving, but it's fascinating stuff. Like, this is a very eloquent, well-read young man, obviously, yet he continually believes and follows dumb stuff and is continually duped by silly stuff. And so he refuses to apologize for sharing a a movie that's largely known as an anti-Semitic movie, which, again, 
again, these ideas about the original Hebrews and all, this is not new. This is the work of the black Hebrew Israelites who are a known hate group who stand on Broad Street in Newark and tell all white people that they're going to hell, that I have passed many times. You can search them on YouTube. They're very hateful. They're very similar to the Westboro Baptist Church in their tactics. I've said it. They created this movie or somebody influenced by their ideals created this movie and Kanye and Kyrie have bought into it and now they're spreading it and there's a big outrage about it. Remember I talked about organic versus inorganic cancellations. Well, with Kanye, there was just an immediate brand cancellation, right? But with the Nets, fans actually lined up in the front row on court with t-shirts that said we stand against anti-semitism and Kyrie acknowledged them said he respected them but there were some who said he was mocking them when he said that anyway there is a fan outrage in New York right now there is a fan outrage and this is obviously an area of the country with a huge Jewish population there is a lot of outrage about Kyrie's comments and his stance and his his lack of willingness to apologize and so we're seeing this whole thing play out where now he's suspended. And so many people are out here saying, you know, I see a lot of people on social media, just like last week when I told you you could see the Trumpies on the Real News No Bullshit page. You can see them comment. Well, you could see a lot of people on social media pages, on news stories. You can see a lot of people starting to comment on this Kyrie Irving thing. And sadly... And not surprisingly, but sadly, a lot of people are lining up behind Kyrie Irving and backing him and his ignorance and his hatred and saying they stand with him and they refuse to call him out. And it just takes me back to what I've been preaching on this show for a long time about the liberal farce that we're currently living in. These progressive quote-unquote activists, quote-unquote, and I use those terms loosely, have been out here, especially in the last few years, and have been lecturing everybody about how much they want to fight intolerance and xenophobia and racism and prejudice, and they have been lecturing everybody about it. And they have been saying that the one perpetrator of all prejudice in this world is one demographic group and one demographic group alone, and that everybody else is united against it. Whether it's stop Asian hate, whether it's stop anti-Semitism, it's always is one big bad looming group of people. But this situation is showing that people fight people all the time. It's not just one group against everybody else. The black and Jewish relationship in this country is a complicated one, right? Anybody who's familiar with the history of the Newark riots in 1967 knows that a lot of the catalyst for those riots was there were several Jewish business owners and landlords in certain areas of Newark and they were using credit techniques and other things that African-American people in those areas felt was exploitative. And if you take a class on civil unrest or the urban riots in this country anywhere, you may find this common narrative. And no one's afraid to discuss in nuance inside a classroom that there is this complex relationship between the African-American community and the Jewish community because there is a complex relationship. 
and there are arguments on each side of this that could argue for oppression like what you know is having a store and 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 having these credit techniques that that put people further in debt is that a good thing is that exploiting a people maybe is burning down somebody's store and the property that they've worked hard to obtain is that a good thing is that nice probably not right there's a dichotomy there's this competing thing there's dare i say it complexity complexity and now we're seeing it come to a head with this Kyrie Irving thing, with this black Hebrew Israelite thing, and I find it quite interesting. But what I find troubling about it, what I find troubling about it is, and, and you guys might not have known this, right? Because I didn't bring it up on this show, because I didn't think anybody thought it was very relevant. Even though I saw it, I stayed away from talking about it. I don't want to bring it up, because no one really knows, but... About a year ago, there was this soccer player, right? A soccer player called Kurt Zuma. His name was Kurt Zuma. Played for West Ham. He was an African descent man. I guess he lives in France. I can't call him African-American, African-French. He was caught on camera. He had these two cats in his house, right? And he was caught on camera on cell phone video beating the hell out of these two pet cats that he had like kicking him in the face having this little kid hold the cat up while he punched the cat in the face and some kid that was there was crying and a whole big thing and it got out that he's a cat abuser and everybody in Europe was demanding that he lose his job that he be kicked off the team that he be charged with a crime because he's a cat abuser and one thing I found interesting when I would scroll through social media stories on the subject of Kurt Zuma was I'd see many, many people, whenever somebody would say Kurt Zuma was a bad person because he was punching cats in the face, many people inevitably would pop up and say, well, what about racism? Racism's bad. You don't talk about racism, but you talk about cats. And I didn't understand. I was like, well, why? What does racism have to do with him beating up cats? Is he going to claim racism because he's beating up cats? Didn't make any sense. And it just seemed like there was this catch-all because of the modern world that no matter what somebody does, they can be racist against you or discriminatory against you or even beat up a cat. And as long as they bring up whataboutism, which is what about the oppression that I've faced or my people have faced, that means you can just ignore the, the indiscretion. Beating up the cat had nothing to do with racism. Maybe Kurt Zuma had faced racism. I hope he didn't, but maybe he had. That didn't give him the excuse to beat up a cat. It's not an excuse. You don't just point, well, what about racism? No, it has nothing to do with beating up cats. Well, now you see Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving's getting questioned for spreading this nonsensical, ignorant video that is anti-Jewish, for sure. And when you watch him in the interviews... He seems to be claiming a sort of, well, what about oppression of, of my people? What about that? Well, what about that? Right, it's something we should talk about. We do talk about it. We talk a lot about it, especially as of recent. That doesn't give you the excuse to discriminate against Jewish people. Nor does it give you the excuse to spread nonsense that's ignorant and false. And it just seems interesting to me interesting to me that so many people that I'm seeing on social media and, and by the way many 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 people African American white Jewish Irish Catholic 
Muslim of all stripes have come out and condemned Kyrie Irving, as should be done. In fact, one of the most prominent Nets fans and most prominent progressives that's a member of this show, Chuck Riley, has, has co-signed condemning Kyrie Irving, and he's a Nets fan. D-Rock, who's another progressive who sometimes is okay with canceling certain people, has come out and condemned Kyrie. So not everybody's being inconsistent. But I have seen a bunch of people lining up behind Kyrie Irving, defending Kyrie Irving. The same way they defended Kurt Zuma by saying, what about racism? What about the oppression of this group of people? Does the oppression of one group of people make the oppression or discrimination against another group of people acceptable? Because if it does, then people sound like a bunch of hypocrites. And, and people are lining up behind Kyrie Irving saying they don't do anything about racism against African-American people. Why do they care so much about anti-Semitism? Well, that's just not true. There are companies and organizations which now mandate anti-racist training. Anti-racist training, this belief that any and all people, especially white people, are co-opting a system that oppresses a group of people. That may be true, that may not be true. You're welcome to your own philosophies. But there are mandates that people take classes just to let them know that they, if they don't speak up against racism, then they are contributing to and co-signing racism unless they say something and actively work to dismantle the racist system. But doesn't that also apply to anti-Semitism? If you're going to say that people should participate actively in being anti-racist, then shouldn't you say that people should participate actively in being against anti-Semitism? If there's this outrage against the blue wall where cops, good cops don't speak out against bad cops and quote-unquote non-racist white people don't speak out against racist white people, then they're part of the problem. Well, then shouldn't it apply to Kyrie Irving too? Shouldn't you be held to a standard that if you truly believe in equality and non-hate, that you should stand up and speak out against and condemn Kyrie Irving? You don't get to co-sign him and then claim the moral high ground when it happens in the other way around. But this is the farce that the liberal media and and people in this society have been pushing and if you can go back and listen to my podcast if you think i'm some kind of raging conservative because that's a laugh but this is the farce that they've been telling you this idea that groups of people haven't been in strife with one another for so long and that you could just narrow it down to one oppressive group and everybody else being the victim that's not true Human relationships and the relationships between groups are complex. And we're seeing it play out in this situation. And I'm very disappointed, very disappointed that people are lining up behind this and not only lining up behind it, but now actively promoting this nonsensical movie and acting like they're somehow enlightened for promoting this nonsensical movie. And you know what this all boils down to? Kyrie Irving is from this new generation of people, right? This generation that thinks, I can throw stones, I can whine, I can scream, I can talk, but you don't dare question me. And if you do question me, I will play the victim. Kyrie Irving was born to a semi-professional basketball player who played basketball overseas. He has dual Australian and United States citizenship. He grew up in West Orange, which is a suburban town. 
He went to nice private schools to play basketball. Before he could blink an eye, he was a millionaire for playing a game better than most people could play it. And I respect that. I got nothing against it. And there are plenty of athletes who are supreme intellectuals in this world. But Kyrie Irving, just like Kanye West and just like your run-of-the-mill white woman on Fifth Avenue, and speaking of Fifth Avenue, just like Donald Trump, are just ultra-rich, over-spoiled, over-indulgent human beings who are trying somehow to find themselves. Donald Trump wanted to find himself by apparently restoring America to what it once was is great, even though his tropes are xenophobic, tyrannical, fascist, and racist. Kyrie Irving wanted to find out the origin of his people and touch his ancestral roots and root out the oppression. So he landed on Jewish people are a fraud who are not really the true standard bearers of the Jewish and Semitic legacy. And they're finding themselves and they're spewing it out into the rest of us. And gullibly, unlike the intelligent people in the room who call this stuff out and say, yo, just because you're famous, just because you got money, just because you have a platform doesn't mean you have the right to spread absolute ignorance and absolute nonsense. Instead of doing that, we are buying into it and acting like they actually have something important to say just because they're rich and they're famous. We have a guy announcing his presidency and manipulating the entire legal system after he nearly overthrew the government and we're letting him get away with it because he had a reality show and he was on Home Alone 2. We have a guy who plays basketball, who believes the earth was flat, okay? This dude thought the earth was flat. And you have people in droves lining up behind him to co-sign this anti-Semitic movie as if he has any deeper knowledge than anybody else. Newsflash, he doesn't. The dude believes the earth was flat. He's just another rich person from a privileged class trying to find himself. And yes, Kyrie Irving is a part of an oppressed class because of the race of people in this country who has been oppressed. No one's disputing that. But the way he claims that when his life has been pretty nice and he's enjoying wealth, most of us struggling with inflation will never understand. He doesn't get to throw stones and then hide and claim he's the oppressed one. It's nonsense. And us as a society allowing these people to do this is nonsense. I just don't understand it. And I and the, the hypocrisy to me is is alarming. Is alarming. It's it's really, really alarming. And you know, I was thinking about this, too. It's like, you know, people want to teach critical race theory now because there's there's a lot of racism in the country, which is true. So we want to teach critical race theory. But some people have an issue with that because they're like, how dare you put the onus on me like it's my fault that there's racism just because of the virtue of the color of my skin. Well, what if schools wanted to implement critical Semitic theory? And what if they wanted to make every student learn that they just inherently, by not being Jewish and living in a society which has marginalized Jewish people in the past, that they are contributors to anti-Semitism? 
What if Kyrie Irving was forced to take that class saying he's a part of anti-Semitism simply because he's not fighting actively against anti-Semitism? Do you think that that would go over very well with Kyrie Irving? Do you think that would go over very well with many of the people that are supporting Kyrie Irving? I don't think so. But yet they're totally okay with critical race theory. Other than that, this is just like when the the Asian hate thing came around and everybody wanted to ignore the complexities of that whole movement, right? Now, I'm not against activism, guys, and you know that. I'm not against fighting racism, and I'm actually the exact opposite. I think we should all be more tolerant. We should all live our lives in a tolerant way. We should all get along. That's how I live my life on a daily basis. But we are allowing this us versus them, this infighting to fester again, and we're making excuses for it. We're making excuses for it as if it's a zero-sum game. All of a sudden, all of these activists who said they were about equality and getting past discrimination and getting past oppression and getting past hate, all of a sudden it's looking like it's not what it's about. It's about a zero-sum game. It's about how do I beat you? I want to win the argument. I want to win the narrative. I can bash you because you might have bashed me. It's, it's a fight. That's not cool. That's not acceptable. And I've sat on this show. This is episode 63. Episode 63. And you guys have sat here and listened to me for years now. Years. Trying to be objective about situations. Trying to acknowledge the nuance, right? Is there, for instance, is there in the entertainment industry a large, you know, a, a, a large number of people of Jewish religion in the entertainment industry. Is there a large group of them? Do they have some sort of influence over the industry? Can that be discussed without being anti-Semitic or labeled anti-Semitic? Probably, right? But we don't want to have that nuanced discussion. Just like when there were the police shootings, I had the nuanced discussion many people didn't want to have. I said that the murder of George Floyd, the murder of Ahmaud Arbery, the murder of Philando Castile, the murder of Trayvon Martin were totally separate and distinct from the shooting of Jacob Blake. And by the way, Jacob Blake, I told you, based on those circumstances, the shooting was not egregious and not illegal as it was portrayed. And Jacob Blake was an active criminal committing a criminal act. There's nothing wrong with pointing out the differences and the nuance. There's no reason Kanye West or Kyrie Irving can't have a discussion about the complicated relationship between Jewish Americans and African Americans, especially in the inner cities, especially in the early 20th century, the same way they have the discussions about Italian Americans and African Americans, because that's a prominent discussion, right? Because we're always talking about that, too. If you've ever read the poetry of Amiri Baraka, father of the current mayor of Newark, Raz Baraka, you know there's a lot of anti-Jewish stuff in there. and We study it. We read the poems. We don't hold him out as some terrible person, but we acknowledge why he's angry. He still says a heck of a lot of anti-Semitic prejudice things. Because life is nuanced. This society is nuanced. And it was interesting, it's getting so bad out there that on one of the comments, one of the threads today about Kyrie Irving, one of the threads, somebody actually posted 
you do know, this is what the person said. They said, you do know that the Jews were the real slave traders. The whites ended it. The Jews perpetrated. That's what we're getting. Now, now Jewish people were the sole actors in the transatlantic slave trade. That's where we're going with this absolute lack of historical and factual information. This is where we're headed. What I thought was so intriguing about that comment was that once again, people are trying to find one common evil scapegoat, one group of people that is evil, one group of people that is constantly acting bad, one group of people that can be blamed for all the strife and all the terrible things that go on in human society. One person, one group. But I found it interesting that they blamed the Jews for the transatlantic slave trade. To be quite honest with you, I'm not sure if they were involved or not. What I do know is that white people certainly were involved in the transatlantic slave trade. White people, Protestants in this country, cemented slavery by law. And I do know that African people participated in the slave trade and sold people into slavery to white people. I also know that certain people who were slave owners, not many, but some were black. And I also know that a lot of other white people were not slave owners. I know that there were white people who were in favor of keeping slavery, the Confederates, the modern bloc in the South that still votes that way, the racists. But I also know there were abolitionists who were white, abolitionists who were black, abolitionists of all shapes and sizes. You know why? Because everything's complicated. There's not one bad person. There's not one bad group to blame everything on. There's not one scapegoat. But it's up to all of us to rise above it. Don't line up behind somebody who says something negative or misinformation about some other group just because he looks like you. That's not acceptable. No one can claim the moral high ground and co-sign the discrimination and prejudice against somebody else. You can't do that. And that's why this whole thing is crumbling. Because so many of the people that claim they are righteous, that claim they want to bring about change in a positive way, are really more about just raging in general. And just destroying things in general. And just being angry in general. There are several ideologically, intellectually consistent people, as I pointed out, even members of this community. Shaq did it, and Charles Barkley, and all these other people on. They've called out Kyrie Irving, and they should call him out. And they call out those, you know, thin blue line people who refuse to speak an ill word about a bad cop, about a dirty cop, about a murdering cop. Everybody should be calling out bad people because here's a little thing, guys. Here's some knowledge for you. Here's some actual truth for you. Let me let you in on something. There are no bad groups of people or genuinely good groups of people. There are only bad people and good people. And they span every profession, every race, every religion, every age, every country, everything. They are manifold, good people and bad people. 
and we've got to call out the bad ones and we've got to acknowledge the good ones and the good ones have to unite. Okay? That's the end and the beginning of it all. And by the way, Kyrie Irving is not a bad person. Kyrie Irving is a misguided young man with a lot of money and a lot of talent and he's not sure what direction to go. He's susceptible to conspiracy theories like the earth is flat and the latest video he tweeted out and the vaccine stuff. He's just a gullible young man with a lot of money and a platform he's probably not ready for. Just like our former president who's a gullible old man with a lot of ignorance and a platform he was never ready for, okay? These people are not representative of everybody else. These people deserve no deference. These people deserve no undying, inflinching support. They just don't. And people wonder, the other thing that I've been seeing come up, by the way, is this whole narrative or notion that, you know, that there wasn't enough coverage of Brett Favre as compared to Michael Vick, Colin Kaepernick, and now Kyrie Irving. And to that I say I agree. There should have been much more of a focus on Brett Favre and his indiscretions. Brett Favre knowingly ripped off the Mississippi welfare system. Mississippi, one of the most dysfunctional, most discriminatory and racially prejudiced embedded states in this union. Brett Favre went ahead and ripped off the welfare system knowingly in Mississippi, and there were text messages that were out in the media that proved it, and Brett Favre got barely any coverage as compared to any of these cases. But I'll tell you why. It's not because of race, it's because of lack of race, meaning just like the St. Louis shooter, the St. Louis school shooter last week, just like so many other stories in the news these days, if it doesn't have a racial or religious prejudicial element, the news isn't going to report it that much. Because right now, this society is hyper-focused on news stories that deal with race or prejudice or one group against the other group. That's what gets all the clickbait. That's what gets the algorithm going. That's what gets everybody arguing with each other. So that's what they stick to. So Brett Favre didn't get a lot of buzz because it's a white-collar crime and it doesn't involve racial strife. Michael Vick got a lot of attention because dogs always get attention. Have you looked at your social media timeline? All those abused animals coming up, that's because it gets more clicks. For some reason, people are obsessed with that, just like murder mysteries on TV. They're drawn to burning houses and car accidents, and they're drawn to stories about prejudice and race. So, of course, Kyrie Irving's getting a ton of attention because it deals with race and prejudice. Just like Colin Kaepernick, by the way, who, by the way, I support what they did to Colin Kaepernick was egregious. They cut the man out of a sport. They, they turned their back on him, wouldn't let him speak. Kyrie's got a great deal compared to Colin. But Colin was still one of like Colin tried at least to be respectful by kneeling instead of not standing for the flag and people still didn't understand what Colin was doing they still didn't respect the man the man's out of the league but even he was another person who grew up middle class who had a lot of money and quite frankly some of the things he was protesting were justified like the police shootings the inequities in the criminal justice system but wearing like the pig socks 
and saying that the league was a slave trade and all this other stuff. He was misguided too. Not a bad person, but again, a young man with a lot of money, a lot of influence, a lot of privilege, having a lot of fun in life trying to find himself, trying to find a more righteous cause, and maybe in some ways saying some things that may be misguided. And I don't think his kneeling was misguided, by the way, but some of the other things he said. But this is, this is where we are as a society. Kyrie Irving is openly promoting a nonsensical false movie that's anti-Semitic, and people are lining up behind him and co-signing him. It's not okay, guys. But I understand why some are frustrated. And I would be frustrated too because it seems like the narrative always tilts on one side or the other. That they're always trying to scapegoat one group and make one group the bad guy. And it's frustrating, isn't it? It's frustrating. I know. I've been telling you guys on this show forever that it's frustrating. That I'm sick of trying to paint one group of people as evil and everybody else is at the mercy of them. That I'm sick of trying to boil all these complex relationships between groups of people down into good versus bad and, and this bright line that's easily delineated. I've been trying to tell you it's nonsense. And this... And, and Cy makes a point that maybe the far thing was also because he was out of the public eye for so long. Maybe that's part of it. And I can see that too. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of reasons... Look, I don't mean to go on this crazy rant. Obviously, I stand with equality for all people. I stand with all people. I understand, especially Jewish people who have gone through a genocide, the Holocaust, recent in recent memory, within people's grandparents' generation, were rounded up and systemically murdered. And I understand that African-American people come from a legacy of of ritualized, legalized oppression and discrimination that started with people being owned by other people, codified in law, and then being relegated to statuses as second-class citizens which tried to discriminate against them, and those inequalities still persist into today. In education, in criminal justice, in economics, in housing, that there is still discrimination going on. There is still racism going on. I acknowledge white privilege in theory. I acknowledge that I have it. But I'll be damned if I'm going to be lectured and then somebody's going to turn around and bash another group of people and then act justified. I'll be damned. Because I don't live my life that way. I don't speak that way. I don't preach that. Kyrie Irving is not a bad person. But lining up behind him and continuing to promulgate anti-Jewish falsities is reprehensible. Perpetuating the theories of the black Hebrew Israelites who are a hate group is no better than perpetuating and proliferating the ideologies of the Proud Boys or the Oath Keepers. Don't you understand that Donald Trump and this type of thought are two sides of the same coin? Why do you think Kanye was breaking bread with Donald Trump? Because they have more in common than they have different. It's blaming the other. It's finding a scapegoat. It's not doing the research and the homework to properly understand history or fact. 
and it festers and it leads to a breakdown of dialogue and a breakdown of productive conversation. And I am taking this opportunity once again to remind you that you've got to stay objective. You can't get sucked into this us versus them. And when situations like this arise, they point out the inconsistencies and the hypocrisy of some of the progressive activism we've seen as of recent. And again, I'm not saying all progressive. There are plenty of progressives who are really hammering Kyrie Irving for this, who stay consistent. I'm not talking to those people. I'm talking to the people who want to be outraged sometimes and other times. Same thing with Jewish people. If you're outraged about this, but you're not outraged by the murder of George Floyd, or you're not outraged by inequities, then you're a hypocrite too. You don't get to just be mad when it happens to you. You've got to stand with it in solidarity. That's just how it is. And that goes for everybody. You see me do it. You see me do it. All the time. Because I live by it. I will call out bigotry no matter who's perpetuating it. But I will also call out, call out hypocrisy and ignorance no matter what, who's doing it and who's standing behind them for what reasons. I will continue it. That's just me. And once again, I apologize for the elongated rant. But this has been festering all week. I mean, this has just been nonstop. And it was the Kanye thing and then right after it, the Kyrie thing. And I find it interesting that you could probably narrow it down to one stupid documentary on TV. They both obviously watched on their couches and then walked out and said, now it's the, the conversation of the century. No one's just pointing out all these two, these two dopes watch the same silly documentary. Just like Donald Trump, oh, he just watched Fox. Why can't we just dismiss these people like we dismiss our crazy uncle or the guy in the grocery store? I don't get it. I don't get it. Why can't we do that? Why do we acknowledge these people? Why do we give them a platform? It's just, uh, it's troubling. <laughs> and now after that mountain of a climb and a climax of emotion, I have to come back down. And you guys know I haven't really gone at that, that... We haven't talked about the current events and the celebrity nonsense and the outcries and the racial stuff in a while because, you know, we've been so concerned with the midterms and Donald Trump and Joe Biden and inflation and whatever. But look, at the end of the day, life is beautiful. It's a beautiful Friday night. Brothers and sisters around the globe of all races, all religions can hold hands and rock together. And that's all I want. Don't buy into the us versus them. Don't line up behind somebody who's trashing another group of people. Don't do it. It's not healthy. And don't play the victim when you're bashing somebody else. That, that Two wrongs don't make a right. You can't do that. If we really ever want to move past this stuff, if we really ever want to turn the page, we've got to start really practicing what we preach. And also, guys, most importantly, and you know this is a, a pet peeve of mine on the show. This is almost what my whole show stands for all the time. Mostly. We've got to get down to reality. We've got to stop operating on conspiracy theories and falsehoods and nonsense. We've got to stop thinking that turning on a YouTube video that some guy made in his basement makes us more informed or just as informed or just as knowledgeable and educated as somebody who had studied this for a living or studied it for four years at a university or et cetera, et cetera. We saw the same nonsense and I called out this same nonsense 
during the pandemic where all these people are watching YouTube videos that some chick just made after getting home from the gym with her kid crying in the background. Eh, let me tell you what I heard today. I heard, and guys, you're going to want to keep it really quiet. There is new information about a leak from a lab in Wuhan. How do you know that there's a leak from a lab in Wuhan when you're living out in South Dakota, Jan? How do you know it? But we have a, this is the same thing. People sitting around watching videos, watching movies that some guy made and proclaiming to have deeper knowledge. Remember during the pandemic when people would say nonsensical things? Remember we, we talked about on the show? They would say nonsensical things, and then we would call them out and say, that's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. And then they would say, well, I don't think it's dumb to ask questions. I don't think it's stupid to be more knowledgeable and gather more knowledge. Damn. That's the same thing that's going on now. These people are like, ha ha, ha you don't know about the true origin of the Hebrews. You're just not knowledgeable. You're not woke. You're not educated. And by the way, that's where that whole woke term came from. It used to be this term about conspiracies and knowing what other people don't know not being a sheep you're woke and it's kind of funny how woke has transcended into what woke is now and it has some of them suffers from some of the same problems doesn't it I don't want to constantly be calling out hypocritical things and I don't want to constantly be this aggravated I don't want the shows to go this way I don't I don't but you guys out there in humanity have to stop fighting each other over nonsense, claiming moral high ground, then claiming victim, then crapping on somebody else, then believing nonsense conspiracies. You can't be out there claiming to be pro-American and repping a guy who tried to destroy democracy. You can't be out there claiming you believe in tolerance and co-signing a guy who's bashing Jewish people. You can't do it. It doesn't work that way. Selective outrage. It's all BS. You've got to transcend it and get above it because it's doing us no good. And all of you Logic and Larry listeners out there, you guys know how I feel about you. It's our duty, as I always say, to go out into the world and to start engaging in these discussions and getting the word out. And by the way, I'm proud of many people because I saw a lot of people who actually had their heads on their shoulders calling out the nonsense, moving past it, not even getting, honestly, not even wasting their time discussing it. But since I do this show and it's part of what I do, I have to discuss it, of course, because it's out there. So all those people, I commend you. But it's up to us to go out there and continue. Even if we get laughed at, even if they roll their eyes at us, even if they dismiss us, it's our obligation to call out the nonsense. Because unless somebody starts calling out the nonsense, it's just going to keep festering. And that's why even the prominent voices in the media and whatnot that are finally speaking up about some of these ridiculous things that are going on, some of these inconsistencies, some of the sheer absurdity that we live within, I'm, I'm seeing more and more of it on a, on a larger scale, and we are part of that. Everybody's part of that. And so I commend you for that, and I encourage you to keep going and keep doing that. It really is really important to do. Now, off of this Kyrie Irving sports celebrity TMZ rant, let's discuss what's going to happen tangibly and in reality in this upcoming political uh, environment that we're in. Let's discuss the midterms and and a final prediction election day is tuesday everybody election day is tuesday so a lot can change in a little bit of time and we don't know who's going to have control of the house we don't know who's going to have control of the senate 
We don't know what's going to happen. But luckily, I have a sidekick, and this will be his final predictions. Sean Political Action Bracken is going to call us and discuss who might win the midterms. So I'm going to get him on the phone. Allow me a second to get him up. And we're going to have this conversation with him. And he needs a second, so we're just waiting a second for him. But really, I mean, look, I had sometimes, guys, and I apologize for it. I just have to, I get, you know, pretty into it, you know, and it's, uh, it's tough to, uh, you know, to not talk about these things. And it's tough to keep myself calm, I have to be honest. So, you know. And Rick in here is saying, dude, on that Jordan Klepper video, a guy literally said Joe Biden was assassinated at Guantanamo by Trump. And James Wood is playing Biden. No joke. This is the stuff, like, I don't know if people even, like, I'm, I'm legitimately and genuinely torn between thinking, look, do, do people actually believe these things? Like, like, wholeheartedly? Are they deranged? Are they sane, but yet they still believe these things? Are they, you know, convincing themselves, but they know it's nonsense, but they repeat it anyway? Like, I I'm trying uh, to kind of understand where these type of people come from. But here's Sean. Mr. Sean, political action Bracken, sir. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm pretty good. How are you? Sorry about that. My phone was giving me a little bit of a issue there, but I hope you can hear me well. Yes, I can hear you, sir. I can hear you great. I'm doing all right, except for my little political rants, but that's uh, nothing new on a on an average Friday night on the Logic and Larry podcast. You know how we do, Sean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so listen. I, I enjoyed yeah. it. And the Pink Floyd song at the beginning. Too. Oh, awesome. yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah, one of the best songs, and I thought it really encapsulated what I was going to talk about today with this whole us versus them stuff. I think it's that's all they want to keep playing into, man, and it gets exhausting. It really does, but that's a great song. Oh, yeah. So, Sean, all right. I mean, look, this is go time, my brother. This is, uh, you know, we're a few days from Election Day. Um, it's time for predictions. It's time to, to get down to brass tacks, as they say. Uh, you know, what do you want to lead off with? I mean, you know, we have the big three, which I thought were Nevada, Georgia, Pennsylvania. First off, has those big three changed or are those still the most pivotal three states? I would say, for the most part, we're going to, again, keep it simple. Um, those are probably the big three still mm -hmm. that really will control the Senate. Um, I mean, there I mean, there are obviously other races to probably watch to, to know, like, if there's, like, a massive, like, surprise or a massive red wave that's going to hit. Right. Um, obviously and i mean early on i mean you can take a look at like in the senate like i mean if new hampshire's like really close they're going republican and you know that give me a massive beat down right um for the i mean for the, the democrats are going to take a massive beat down um but if if um but we still expect that to go democratic but I'm just saying, like, if it's going Republican, then it's a beatdown. 
Um, right. On the right. other side, I mean, we could be looking at a surprise if, say, you have like states like Ohio and North Carolina that are close. Right. Because I mean, we expect them to go Republican. Um, Ohio is a little bit more of a question mark than North Carolina, but if if those races are close, then there could be a massive surprise. Wow. That a lot of the polls aren't obviously picking up. Now, again, I don't think that's going to happen either when I do tell you my predictions. I mean, it'll probably be pretty, uh, int- I mean, it'll probably be pretty expected as right. to what, I, what I'm going to predict. But I'm just saying, like, if, if, if those races are close or even there's an upset or two in the making, then it could be a pretty good night for the Democrats, so surprising night for the Democrats. Right. Considering we think that it looks like there, there's the start of a red wave building. Okay. Which is kind of like the preface to my, obviously, predictions. But, I mean, that's just something to look at. Those are kind of like the early states. I mean, New Hampshire closes at 8, um, and then Ohio and North Carolina are 7.30. So just take a look at those Senate races to know like if, if there is like a surprise coming or like gotcha. a massive beat down i mean those are the lookout but other than that i mean it's pennsylvania it's nevada it's georgia gotcha so how are those looking um i guess i'll, I'll give you my predictions in a minute but i mean it does seem like with the polling that we see in the congressional ballot I mean, President Biden's approval rating, I mean, they are starting to look more Republican, except, I mean, the only one that's a little bit, that's just hard for me to really grasp is Georgia. Like, I'm not really sure. There's like a lot of conflicting data out of Georgia. Somehow, Herschel Walker up like four or five points, somehow Warnock up like, like, like five points and then others are like tied interesting i mean the polls are like all over the place in georgia i don't know what what to expect um i sort of have that uh, little spoiler alert here but i sort of have that as a runoff election okay in december i mean that's that's how i tend to be lean towards at this moment but the polls are all over the place um I and if you average it all up, it's basically a tie. Okay. Um, but there are third-party candidates that are going to get votes, and I don't know. I mean, that, that's the one that's like really, like baffling. Like I'm not really sure what to make of it. Right. I'm not really sure why the polls are all over the place like they are. Um, it might be a question to ask Murph. Um, maybe. <laughs> Maybe I'll get a hold of him sometime this weekend and ask him, like, why are the polls, like, all over the place like right. this? Because that's, like, the only state where, like, there's, where the polls are, like, completely, like, you have a big Walker lead in a poll and, like, a big Warnock lead in another poll. And other polls are, like... So, like, really, like, you have no idea what to make error. of it. Right. So, basically, you're just, you're just tossing that up to a, to a runoff because it's just, there's no solid data that you can really see a trend, huh? Right. I agree with that. Yeah, that, that's exactly 
my my feeling about that because it's just too inconsistent. Like I'm I'm like I'm really surprised by it, and I'm not really sure what to make of it because usually, like I think last time, like Georgia was more consistent. Um, in 2020, like the polling looked more consistent. It seemed like it was like like they like every poll had it close, but. In this instance, like you got polls like all over the place. Right. So um, now, yeah. So 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 now, in a, in a runoff, who do you think would win that runoff? Who's better positioned to win the runoff there? That's that's a good question right there. I will I will answer it by saying that that I it's going to depend on Senate control. Right. Um. That's my guess. If the Republicans have already took the Senate, right? Um, then I think it favors Warnock because I think the Republicans will be less interested. I, that's, I, I mean, I could be very wrong about it. Not that they're not going to be interested because they will be, but maybe they will work as hard to right. save Herschel Walker because Herschel Walker obviously has right. his problems. Gotcha. So, I mean, I feel like if, if Republicans get the Senate and sew it down before the runoff, then, then I think that favors Warnock a little bit. However, like, if it's 50 to 49 Republicans and Senate control hangs in the balance, then we'll probably be looking at I mean, this, this, that could favor Herschel Walker a little bit. Gotcha. Um, All right. So, it's like, yeah. It's really hard to say. Yeah, so Georgia's basically, we don't even really have a prediction at this point. So then it comes no. down to the other two, really. I mean, what are you seeing in Nevada and Pennsylvania? If Georgia's a toss-up, that means if they go one-and-one one on those two, Georgia's going to decide it, unless somebody wins both, right? I mean, unless right. we have a surprise somewhere else, which is not likely. That is, yeah. that is definitely true. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's hard to say because these two states are also toss-ups, um, Pennsylvania and Nevada. But I will say that it looks like that the momentum is with the Republicans in both of these races. I okay. think Oz has the momentum here in Pennsylvania. Um, and I also think um, Laxalt has the momentum in Nevada. Um, there were a couple of polls that showed Black Salt has opened up a five-point lead. And another thing worth mentioning about Nevada, like I, I was I'm paying attention to this too um, from election project. I'm looking at the early voting. And I must say in Nevada, if I was a Democrat, I would be very, very worried about the early voting numbers in Nevada. Turnout um in the in the early vote has been very low okay and yeah so i mean i mean if you take a look at that i mean it, it tends to point to a republican victory since republicans vote more on the day of election um so i mean it, it just looks like it just feels like that that state's turning and i mean again like like i pointed out some of the reasons why that is um, the party's fractured there, and um, the governor's not popular there, who's a Democrat. I mean, there's just like a bunch of factors that's just hurting the Democratic Party in Nevada. And it looks like that Republicans, when it comes to the House races in Nevada, could get 
to get um, two seats. Wow. Um, out of there, like I mean, it's a. It looks like the De- the Democratic Party just completely just caved in on itself in Nevada. Um, but like I said, there, there, there's many reasons to, to there's many reasons as to why. But I mean, it's, it, it, it just looks like it just they just self destructed more than like the Republicans winning it because I mean Nevada has trended blue in many years. But I mean, again. I mean, it's just, I mean, the early vote numbers don't look good, and I just, that's what kind of pointed me towards the Republican direction there. Gotcha. Were Um, there any issues or things that might have driven them that way, other than what we've been hearing, that, you know, the Latino vote in the working class is, is, is starting to go towards Trump? Like, other than that, was there any reason that we could pinpoint as to why this was happening? Um, again, I mean, I think that's a big part of it, honestly. I think that that is definitely true. I'll also say, too, about about Nevada is that, again, like like the, the, the Democratic Party itself in Nevada, um, a lot of a lot of people that, that supported Bernie Sanders are now part of the Nevada Dem- Democratic Party. Okay. And there were stories about that, like early on and there and there's like a big divide now between between that because they have flexed their muscle in Nevada um, the progressive side of the Democratic Party and I mean the more moderate side and the progressive side is kind of like fractured more so there than than they are and I think it also again points to a lot of their base and a lot of like their core voters which you mentioned working class and unions Right. A big union state, Nevada is. A lot of people don't realize it, but it's a big union state. And also, too, like the Latino vote as well is crucial there. Right. And, and again, it, it seems like that's kind of moving away from the Democratic Party and towards the Republican Party, you know, especially with the economy like it is. I mean, I mean absolutely. I mean, those are factors for sure in that race and i think that's kind of like what nudged nevada into the republican direction right. although i still i still claim it's going to be very close um there were a couple polls that had lack sold up by five i don't really buy that too much i do think it's going to be more a, a one or two point race but i definitely clearly direction moving for him Got you. Okay. So now what about the final one, Pennsylvania? Well, Pennsylvania, I mean, the polls, okay, this week is, is the week where the polls finally, you started to see some polls. I'm not going to say all polls, um, but you, you're you starting to see some polls with a slight Oz advantage Okay. Um, by a couple of points. Um this is another state too. Now that I now that I'm thinking about it more, because I have been looking at the polls closely, um, what I've been seeing out of Pennsylvania kind of is more representative of Georgia, in the sense that it's either here in Pennsylvania, it's either Oz is up by two, one or two points. Betterman's up by like two points, and there's even a couple of polls where Betterman's up by five or six points. So it just really, it, it really depends. But I mean, the momentum's with Oz, but the 
it's just very close, but considering I'm thinking it, it is more of a red wave year, like I think the rates could break to Oz just because of the political climate we're in and Fetterman's problems on the debate stage because of his stroke. I mean, I, I do think a lot of people are concerned about it. Got you. Um, so now and there's no, yeah, I'm, I'm asking about the governor's race there because I saw you mention it earlier today and it seems like the Democrats running away with it. Does that have any effect on that election one way or another, especially given the parity of the polls and the red wave? I mean, how does that factor in that the Democrats running away with the governorship? Yeah, it, and I, I mean, I, it, it's going to be hard to say. Um, I will stop by saying, I mean, I give Josh Shapiro a lot of credit mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania because he's ran such a good campaign, um, basically making um, his opponent unacceptable from the start, and he just never let up. And it just, I mean, he got, I mean, he, he just early on was like, like hammered at home and the the Republican Party never recovered um, in the governor race here, which led to Josh Shapiro's massive leads. Like his average lead is about, is, it's about double digits. Like it, it's like in, in a purple state like Pennsylvania, um, the Republicans for the governor race just chose just the wrong candidate and you do and, and people are wondering like can Mastriano have a negative effect on Oz or on like down ticket races and it's it it it, it does it, it, it's yet to be seen right but I mean it, it, it could happen uh, there are a couple polls suggesting that 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 there is going to be some split ticket voting here but how much is going to be the question um i i i did see like one poll where it's like 10 percent mm-hmm. of shapiro voters are voting for dr oz right uh, which would be quite a significant chunk of votes right um so if that's the case then then shapiro would would have to be leading by more than 10 points to carry Fetterman across the finish line. Um, is it 10 points again? I don't know, but right. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's super close. I think, I, I mean, I, I would consider Pennsylvania a tilt margin either way. Um, a, a, a good sign for Fetterman would be the early vote. The early vote is strong in this state. Um, Democrats are getting it about what they got in 2020 uh, when it comes to the margins. Um, If everybody turns in their ballot um, with the mail-in vote, which was about 1.4 million votes. Right, which is, we saw that in Pennsylvania. That was almost a landslide by the end when all the votes came in. Exactly, yes. Um, The same day votes last time, uh, Trump was ahead a little over 600,000 votes, I think. Sir, I'm pretty sure. Like I'll have, I'm gonna have to watch old clips of that again. But right. But he was up significantly with the same day vote. So, so a big key about Pennsylvania is Oz is going to lead because it's gonna be it's gonna be very similar to 2020. Just they're saying it's gonna be quicker this time. It's not gonna take a week. Right. To count all the ballots, it's gonna be more like a couple of days. But it's still. 
the same day votes are probably going to be counted first. Odds is going to take a lead with the same day votes. Now the question is, and I did post this um, on my personal Facebook, is that if the odds lead is over 700,000 votes, I expect them to win. Got you. Um, so we're going to watch election night and see if it's over 700,000. It looks like he's going to win, but anything under, I think you were going to finish. Yeah, I put I put 600 to 700,000 as like the toss-up area mm-hmm. where it could go either way, depending on how many actual mail-in votes there are out there. Um and how they be and how they were counted and like how like some of the independents broke because there is about eight to nine percent of independents that voted early by mail so it's like how are they breaking right right um, that's like the question marks if it's like six to seven hundred thousand like i say it's a jump ball if Oz's lead is less than six hundred thousand i think fetterman has a chance to to make it up with okay. the the mail-in vote because I do think Fetterman is going to have possibly he could bank six to seven hundred thousand mail-in votes. I think that is, I think that's basically his lead right now with the mail-ins because gotcha. um, obviously nobody voted yet um, for same day. So I, mean, I, I do think that Fetterman right now with the mail-in has a six to seven hundred thousand vote lead. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Interesting. Interesting for sure, because he's already built up that lead. It's going to take a heck of a, a, a turnout on election day to do it. And I, I would think that you never know if people are turning out on election day voting for Shapiro who haven't already turned in their ballots. Maybe, you know, it, it decreases the, the election day margin for Oz, but we'll see. But Sean, this all leaves us down and boils us down to this final prediction here. I mean, you got these three states. One of them is a toss up, it looks like, but, but, I want to see where where you're thinking this thing ends up. Who who I already know the the Republicans get control of the House. We all know that. Who gets control of the Senate and how do they do it? What's your prediction? All right. So right now, and this is and, and you're probably right now. I have it 51 to 48 Republican. Okay. I do think the Republicans are going to take the Senate. Okay. And obviously, 51-48 means there's one seat that I haven't predicted, and that's Georgia, because I predict that to go to a runoff. Mm-hmm. I do think Georgia will will head to a runoff. I don't think anybody's going to get 50% just because the polls are all over the place. Mm-hmm. That usually means that they're all over the place, and therefore, nobody is getting 50%. So I anticipate this thing going to a runoff. Um, early vote numbers are huge out of Georgia right now. Um, over 2 million early votes cast in Georgia. Wow. Um, big, big numbers. So I expect that to go, I mean, I expect that to go to a runoff there just because I, I do think there is going to be a significant enough amount of third party um, voters that'll advance it to that runoff in, in December. Um, but, I mean, of all the, but again, the fact that the momentum has shifted like so hard to the Republicans when it comes to like, when it comes to Congress and the congressional ballot, I think that's gonna carry Laxalt 
through um, by a couple of points, and I and um, like it or what or like it or hate it, it's probably gonna get Oz through um, by the skin of his teeth. Although, I mean, he's very unpopular, but I just think Fetterman's debate performance. There's a a lot of a lot of questions about his health. Like that's like a big topic here in Pennsylvania. Right. Is, is he well enough to serve? Um, there's just a lot of people with questions, and like I've seen like a lot of the focus groups, even though they don't like Oz, they're not sure about Fetterman's health and his longevity, and if he can fully recover. And I think that's definitely going to hurt him in the end. That I I do think there might be enough ticket splitters because I definitely see Shapiro winning. I have Shapiro winning by a likely margin okay. in Pennsylvania. I wouldn't be surprised if Shapiro is called right at poll closing. Wow. Um, quite honestly, I think he's ran that good of a race. But now, here, I mean, here in Pennsylvania, like, I mean, I think a lot of Democrats are going to be asking themselves <clears throat> the, the couple of days after the, after the election when we do have a declared winner, I think they're going to be asking themselves, should we have come out during the primary on the same day and, and voted for Lamb after after Fetterman had a stroke? Should we have come out and voted for Connor Lamb, who is his chief rival? Yeah. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot of hand-wringing about that. And let me ask and, you and this. that's going to allow Fetterman to easily waltz away with the nomination. Right. And now I'm, I'm curious about this particular thing with that race. And obviously we can break it down even more if we see what the actual results are. But, I mean, there's obviously a lot with the health. But how much of this is attributable to his health concerns versus how much of this is contributable to, you know, always wearing a hoodie, the crime thing, the, you know... Uh, just the general swag as compared to a, a lamb who I believe came in during this like moderate revolution where the Democrats retook things in some of these districts. You know, how much of that had to do with it? Because I'm fascinated by that, too. We see like somebody like Herschel Walker, even in a red wave year, might go to a runoff, you know, because he's so crazy to the to the right. And, you know, you see somebody like this. Did this have anything? Was this mostly the stroke or was this, hey, Democrats getting too far ahead of themselves with the, you know, the Bernie type crew and the the Fetterman, you know, outside the box. I don't care. I'm a new culture thing, you know, and then it bit them later. I mean, how much of it is the health and how much of it is that that we think we can just stop wearing suits and, you know, just go this direction and, and we'll be fine. How much how much do you attribute? That's a that's a really good question. Um, I would say, in general, um, just based off of the data I'm seeing, like in the focus groups I'm seeing, um, obviously people are obviously concerned about the crime issue and like some of those other issues where they are pointing John Fetterman is outside the mainstream. But I would say, like, if you gave like a percent ratio, mm -hmm. I would say probably with. I would probably say 75-25 health. Wow. Um, just because, I mean, it, it's a big issue. Um, we're, a lot of Pennsylvanians, I mean, including myself too, like we're not sure if he's gonna make it a whole term still because, and this is a mistake, this was the mistake by the Fetterman campaign is that he has not been transparent. Right. With, with his health and it, it, after he had a stroke. Um, a lot of his health records have not been released to the public. So, I mean, it, it looks like 
he tied something about his health and we're not really sure what to make of it as voters and i definitely think because otherwise like i mean fetterman i think would have withstood the ads and and the onslaught of, of the dark um republican money that came into the state right if he hadn't had a stroke because like i mean people know who he is um compared to dr oz who had his scandals about being an outside the state carpetbagger i mean kind of connected to the oprah empire and like hollywood and and it's just i mean he just i mean his negatives dr oz's negatives you have to understand and this is why this race is still as close as it is despite the stroke is because dr oz's negatives are extremely high and a lot of people just don't like them right it's keeping the race very very close and i think it's going to keep the race very very close to where we're going to be waiting maybe a day or two after the election to know if there is enough mail-in to push john fetterman over over the finish line um because i mean before the strike like fetterman was well liked and I well received despite being a very progressive like outsider type candidate gotcha. um but i mean and that's a good point too like i mean i mean because it kind of again fits kind of like what we talk about i mean on the on the show about right candidates going too far to the extreme right um i mean but i think in the end like when i say they should have maybe chose Connor Lamb or, or I suggest that the Democrats are going to think about not choosing Connor Lamb. I, I just make that up because Connor Lamb was healthy. He was right. Sick. Right. He didn't have any health issues. He didn't have the stroke. And I mean, I just think, and, and then add that on to the fact that Fetterman isn't a good debater, even when he is healthy. Um, so I mean, it's just like a double whammy, and that's why you saw the debate you saw right. in Harrisburg. And I just feel like again that that Connor Lamb. I mean, the Democrats are going to wonder if maybe they should have ran Connor Lamb as opposed to John Fetterman, just based off of Lamb being more more healthy and fit. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. So right now, let's just be real. So the political action bracket as of now prediction, and we'll see if we're going to maybe convene after the election that night on off, figure it out. But right now, the prediction is Republicans take the House. Republicans take the Senate by a margin of 51-48 at least. It could wind up 52-48 or it could wind up 51-49, depending on what happens with the runoff in Georgia. So we are expecting right, yeah. a Republican sweep of uh, two out of three of those those top three states you had with this red wave trend line. We think Nevada is going to go Republican, and we also think Pennsylvania. Uh, Oz has an edge, but you did say, I mean, I know the nuances. Watch the election numbers on the mail-ins and whatnot, but Pennsylvania right. and Nevada go Republican, and then Georgia, depending on whether that happens or not, if it's more pivotal, i.e., if Nevada and Pennsylvania split, then you're going to see maybe more enthusiasm for the Republican side in Georgia uh, just to win the Senate. But if it's already decided and Republicans take Pennsylvania and Nevada, then maybe Republicans in Georgia don't really feel compelled to support Herschel Walker, who's really not that palatable and likable uh, by all metrics. Right. right now. Makes sense. That's just, yeah, that's just my take. I mean, I could be very wrong about Georgia, but 
in the runoff. I mean, we might have to talk about, we might have to have a, a show just off the runoff and see what's going on then. But right. I mean, I, mean, I, I would just assume, like, I mean, because Herschel Walker isn't a great candidate and probably isn't someone the Republicans want to be tied to. I mean, if they have the Senate, they'll probably kind of just say, you know what, we have the Senate. But I mean, I, I I could be wrong because I've been wrong before. I mean, right. I mean, the parties are all about power, so right. And that's what's making it even more polarized is that it's, it's about the power. No, I get it. So, but we have the prediction now. We got how many days? We got three days till election day. If you haven't done so yet, guys, get out and vote. We're going to see what's going to happen. And, you know, as this thing shapes up and depending who gets control, we're going to see how that how that kind of, you know, shapes the political spectrum for the next two years. And Sean, we'll, we'll definitely have you back on one way or another to talk about uh, kind of a postmortem and then also to discuss how we think it shapes up the next two years and how it shapes up for the presidential election in two years sir you've been absolutely brilliant leading up to this election as you always are we appreciate all your insight it's interesting how this thing has kind of winded and turned and shaked and shifted i i hope and i know you'll be watching the polls and other information and indicators over the next few days and i will definitely be getting that in rapid you know succession to the listeners of this show so that we can all stay apprised and then i'm sure election night people are going to be you know asking question after question so we'll see what we can do uh with that uh to to facilitate questions and let's strap in and 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 see the ride sir let's see what happens bro but i really appreciate all that you've done and inputted into the show and obviously you're going to keep doing that because this show ain't going anywhere and neither are you so uh let's strap in brother but we appreciate uh the whole the whole month here that you've really dedicated to this it's been a, a really eye-opening and and enlightening for us here uh, and i always yeah i always appreciate coming on and giving my my insight and we'll just have to see how close i am and how far i was away because i mean there i mean there are possibilities where this could be a complete earthquake that we didn't see right coming and either could be really hard breaking one way or really hard breaking the other way like it i do think that there's a lot of close races so it just really depends on turnout and that's why it's just this year is just so hard to predict there really so what really does matter is everybody going going out and voting yeah, no, it makes because. sense. Yeah, and and we saw with Donald Trump in 2018, uh, 2016 that, you know, turnout and the, the day of does matter and you don't always get an accurate read. And we know that Pennsylvania, depending on what the returns are looking like early and then Nevada, if Democrats are once again under polled, we could see the opposite turnout. I mean, we could see Nevada and exactly. Pennsylvania going for Democrats and then Georgia's irrelevant, uh, then Georgia's relevant or irrelevant the other way around. So. We'll right. see what happens, and no one's going to hold you to like an exact. But but we appreciate the insight. I mean, that's the way the polls are looking as of today, and you know that way we have the insight. And depending on how things go, we'll see how uh, how we analyzed it and what to tweak later. But but we're with you. I understand those three states are still pivotal, and it's going to be close, <laughs> and it's going to be interesting. So we'll we'll stay tuned in, and we really appreciate all the contributions, my brother. I, I appreciate it, too. Thank you again for having me on. No problem, sir. And we will talk very soon, and we'll talk definitely after this election, Sean. Good night, my brother. And oh. we'll, we'll talk soon. All right. We will. Have a good night. Good night, sir.
Yeah, Sean again dropping knowledge, man. There you have it. Whether you're uh, happy if you're a Republican or a conservative or you just wanted to split it, uh, good for you. You know, and if you're upset about it because you're a Democrat or you didn't think the Republicans should get back any kind of control of anything, well, then you might be not very happy. But this show brings, you know, you balls and strikes and calls it as it sees it. So it's kind of just where we are. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show tonight. Sean, Political Action Bracken, obviously we'll be back. Election Day is a big thing. If you haven't voted again, get out and vote. It's not over yet. Um, but that's the prediction. And guys, remember what I said. Remember what I said about don't get sucked into the us versus them. Don't allow celebrities who are finding themselves, who are discovering some video or some documentary somewhere, don't let them influence you and fight the people in your community or feel like you need to align behind somebody for some cause. Don't be duped. Don't be fooled. There is no us versus them, but they want to make it us versus them. There are only good people and bad people, and they are manifold. Good people permeate and exist through all groups, demographics, and professions. Bad people exist and permeate through all groups, ethnicities, and professions, and etc., and etc. Just stay informed. If all of us just thought about things, and all of us just researched things and found the objective truth of things at root and got ourselves educated, we would probably find that all people everywhere have experienced strife and challenge and oppression and questionable backgrounds. Some people have histories of oppressing. But that we all have a commonality and most of us desire to move forward in a positive direction and in unison and with equality. We can get there. But let's stop feeding into the generalization or the notion that we need to find one boogeyman to pin it all on. That if we only subjugate and retaliate against one boogeyman, we can all finally find our salvation. That's a lie. That's just making somebody else the oppressed and the victim and finding a scapegoat that never really existed. Don't do that. Don't fall into that trap. So I'll leave you with a little bit of Pink Floyd, us and them, to zone out for the rest of your Friday night and enjoy your Friday night. Enjoy your weekend. Despite the nonsense out there, the fact that Trump might announce soon, might be indicted, Kyrie Irving wants to spew movies, celebrities are taking control of our collective dialogue, we don't have to let them. We can choose intelligence. We can choose our neighbor over somebody in a tabloid. We can do it. The power is in the people. The people have the power. We can do it. And even if the world doesn't do it, we'll do it together on the Logic and Larry podcast and we'll expand it to those closest to us. And that's all we can do. Please subscribe to this channel on YouTube if you have not done so already. Please remember that this show is available on every major platform, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon, Audible, Apple Music, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcast. Tell a friend. Take a listen. Join us in our objectivity. Until next time, good night.